Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we're continuing our devotional study series in the book of Psalms. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Odium and Church Crookham. And we'd love for you to join us over there. Um, Psalm 25. Now, this is an acrostic poem, which means that it's uh, using the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, to structure uh, its writing. Um, It's slightly irregular acrostic because the last line of this uh, psalm suddenly switches to redeem Israel, O God, from all their troubles. And that does that fits outside of the acrostic, but it's roughly speaking following the Hebrew alphabet. Not that you would know that, but it's beautifully written. I'm going to tell you that there are four themes that are run through this psalm. And as I read it to you, I'd like to see if you can spot those themes uh, and identify them. So look out for these four themes as we go through uh, here. First, the first theme is the pressure of enemies. And you find that at the beginning and the end of the psalm. See if you can spot it. The second is the burden of guilt. He speaks a lot about guilt and sin and shame. Uh, and see if you can spot those references. The third is the need for guidance. And there's plenty of verses here about guidance from God. The fourth is the need for patient trust, uh, patiently trusting, waiting on God. So those four themes, see if you can spot them, the pressure of enemies, the burden of guilt, the need for guidance and the need for patient trust in God. So let's enjoy this psalm together. Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God and Saviour, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for you are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release me from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. 
See how my enemies have increased and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope is in you. Redeem Israel, O God, from all their troubles. So I hope you did okay there. I hope you spotted some of those themes running through. Now I'm not going to unpack verse by verse as we go through because that wouldn't give we wouldn't have enough time to do that. But I'm just going to park on these four themes with you for a little bit longer and have a look at these four themes. So the first theme then is the pressure of enemies. And we see that, don't we? In verse 2 he says, "Let let not my enemies triumph over me." And again in verse Three, he talks about those who are treacherous without reason. And then in verse 19, we see how my enemies have increased and how fiercely they hate me. It seems as if David's enemies are both personal and ideological enemies. They're people who personally hate him, it seems, uh, but they seem also to stand opposed to everything that David believes in and stands for. They have a different system, a different worldview, and they scoff and they mock and they laugh at David's simple trust in God. Uh, David says that he trusts uh, that his standing before God will win the day. And therefore, he doesn't allow his enemies to dictate the terms of the battle. In fact, he doesn't really focus that much on his enemies, as we've just seen only twice in the passage. The second uh, theme is the burden of guilt. And we see this quite often. It's quite striking, actually, isn't it? That uh, whilst his enemies really have no case against him, yet if he was honest, and he is, before God, God does have a case against him. We should perhaps remember that next time somebody criticises us, And we think that's so unfair. That's not true. We get all on our high horse. Actually, hang on. Before God, we're guilty of far worse than our uh, detractors have accused us of. And so David is very aware. Yes, okay, my enemies have really got nothing on me, but God has got a lot on me and therefore I need his mercy. And so in verse seven, he says, Remember, O Lord, your mercy and love, for you are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. There's an account uh, which Philip Yancey shares in one of his books on prayer. It is of the Archbishop of Manila. And uh, he was rather strangely called Cardinal Sin. Um, But he was an archbishop in the Catholic Church. And Uh, The Archbishop loves to tell a story of how he was visited every week uh, when he had open, uh, open sort of, uh, uh, um, you know, counsel for people to come and visit him. This woman came every week and told him that she had a vision from God and she wanted to tell him the vision that she had. And for the first few weeks, he brushed her off and then she kept persisting and coming back. And eventually he said to her, look. The Catholic Church have very strict rules about allowing visions from God and and who we listen to and who we're prepared to accept as being genuine sort of prophets. And so he said to her, look, to prove that you really can hear God, I would like you to go away and 
I actually confessed a private sin to God a few weeks ago. I'd like you to go and ask God what my private sin was that I confessed to God that nobody knows about. But you go and ask God next week, come and tell me what my private sin was. And then we'll know that you are a true woman who can hear God's voice. And so she goes away and a week later uh, she comes back and he says to her, you know, so did you? Uh, did you ask God about my sin? And she says, yes, I did. And so the archbishop's getting rather nervous. He says, well, what did he answer? Did, did he give you an answer about my sin? And the woman says, yes. And now he's really getting very nervous. And he says, well, well, what did God say? And she says, well, God said he couldn't remember. And that's right. God chooses not to remember our sin. And that's what David says. Lord, don't remember me, please, according to my sin, but rather remember me according to your love and your mercy. Remember, O Lord, your great love and mercy. So rather than God remembering our sin, David appeals that God should remember his own character, his own love and mercy and therefore that he should remember David in love which of course he does in verse 7b it says according to your love in verse 5 it talks about God our savior and in verse 10 he says in all your ways are loving and faithful that word faithful and loving comes from the the, Greek, the Hebrew word chesed, which means God's stubborn love towards his people. In verses 16 to 18, it talked about God's graciousness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. The psalmist here recognises that his sin has caused him to be lonely, to be afflicted, to be troubled, to be in anguish, to be in distress. His sin has led to isolation and a sense of anxiety in his life. But he appeals to God that God would be gracious to him. So we get lots of wonderful references to God's mercy, God's love, God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's graciousness through this uh, psalm, appealing to the character of God. The third thing then that we see is that he talks about the need for guidance from God. And first of all, he asks for general guidance from God. In verses four and five, he says, show me your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths, guide me in your truth and teach me. So here he's asking that God would train him up, teach him, guide him so that David has a system of understanding which will enable him to make good decisions. Uh, sometimes we ask for God to guide us. And what he says to us is rather than me telling you exactly what to do, I'm going to teach you my ways so that you will know exactly what to do in any given situation. As it says in Hebrews 5, the mature are trained, the mature train themselves so that they can distinguish or discern between good and evil. In verse 8, the psalmist says this, uh, good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. 
And verse, notice in verse 9, the need for humility if we're going to hear God's voice and be guided by him. We need to be humble enough to actually come to him and ask for his guidance and willing to submit to what he says when he speaks to us. You're showing humility today by joining in with this Bible study. You're saying, I don't know it all myself. I need God's word. I need guidance from God. Therefore, I'm choosing to read his word. And we read again in verse 12 of the need to fear God and those who fear God, he will instruct in the way that God has chosen for him. And finally, I love verse 14, where he says the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to him. It reminds us, doesn't it, of Abraham? Do you remember how it says that God says, Abraham is my friend? How can I keep this from him? I need to tell him what I'm about to do. God confides in those who fear him, who love him, who are close to him, who keep coming back to him. God is willing to confide and give guidance and give uh, leadership. If you need guidance at this time in, in a decision in your life, let me encourage you to just wait patiently, to keep asking God, to keep reading his word. He will shape your mind and thinking so that you are able to make good godly decisions. Finally, of course, we finish with this theme of patient trust. And I do love the way this psalm finishes and the way this psalm, the tone of this psalm, because this psalm isn't full of really kind of triumphalistic outbursts of praise like some of the other psalms are. Uh, it doesn't finish with a huge outburst of jubilant uh, praise. Rather, there is this sort of quiet confidence, this active hoping in God, this slightly subdued kind of, I'm waiting for God. I'm just going to have to keep waiting for God to come good for me. Yes, there will be prosperity. Yes, my descendants will inherit the land. There's promise for future blessing. But in the meantime, there is the need for patient trust. In verse three, he says, my hope is in you. In verse five, he says, all day long, my hope is in you. My hope is in you all day long. What a wonderful phrase. All day long. We just keep hoping in God all day long. In verse 15, he talks about my eyes are ever on the Lord. This sense of just watchful waiting, watching for the signals of God, the hand of God, wait, watching for God's instructions. My eyes are ever on the Lord. And I'll finish with a cross reference, which I think is relevant to what we've just read. And it's in Isaiah chapter 30. And I love what it says there. And I think this psalm has this similar sort of flavor. It says there in Psalm 30, Isaiah 30, verse 15, in quietness, in repentance and rest is your salvation. And in quietness and trust is your strength. And Isaiah says, you'll have none of it. You're rushing after. You're trying to make it all happen yourself. But God says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. So folks, hang in there. Wait for him. 
keep plodding on. I love it. As Malcolm Casey used to say, the plod of God. You know, sometimes that's it, isn't it? Today, it's the plod of God. It's keeping on, keeping on. It's keeping on trusting. It's keeping on waiting. It's keeping on being patient. It's keeping on keeping a short account of our sins, of repenting, of being humble before him, of knowing that he is gracious and merciful towards us and therefore we can be forgiven. And therefore, any any enemies or any obstacles we face can be overcome because God is with us and God is for us and God is good and faithful and gracious to us. And so let us pray as we finish. Lord, we do ask you for today that we would all know your closeness to us, your graciousness, your kindness, your mercy, your help, that you would guide us, that you would give us wisdom in decisions we have to make, that you would speak to us, that you would frame our minds, uh, that you would help us, oh God, to know that in, in repentance and rest is our salvation. And so we entrust ourselves to you, we entrust one another to you, our brothers and sisters who are watching and who are in the church today, that you would be with each one. Uh, help us, Lord, to know who, how to reach out to one another in love as well. We ask for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.